Amen. <laughs> I want to talk a, a little bit tonight about uh, accessing the supernatural to open, to live under an open heaven. I've come to realize after 40 years of full-time ministry that um, walking in the supernatural is something that does not happen by accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it happens, uh, you can actually intentionally provoke and invoke the spirit world. Yeah, mo most believers don't get that. And uh, they, that's why they're sitting around in their lazy boy chairs at home waiting for a miracle to fall out of the sky and hit them. And it never happens. And it never will happen because you've got to use intentional faith, come on now, to invoke and provoke the supernatural to take place, okay? And I'm talking about biblical supernatural stuff, okay? Uh, you don't need to have your eyes roll back in your head to be supernatural. Come on now. Mm, come on, you don't need to be you don't need to be a, a, need to be a nuisance to the people that you're sitting next to to experience the supernatural. Come on now. You don't need to mm, um, you know use the supernatural. So many I've had so many Christians uh, you know they were, I, I, I catch them using the supernatural to excuse themselves from doing and fulfilling their responsibilities. Well, I don't need to do what the, my, the supervisor at my job or at the church told me to do because the Holy Spirit is telling me to do something else. Yeah, that's nonsense. Come on now. That is not the supernatural. That is stupidity. Come on now. The spirit of stupidity. Come on, on steroids right there. Like I, I have had believers tell me when well, the Lord told me I don't need to pay my bills. Baloney. Come on now. That is not the Spirit of God right there, right? Uh, so we, I'm talking about real supernatural. I just want to talk about that because, you know, I, through my own experience and through some things that I have observed, there is, you know, you, uh, the South African people are really open to the supernatural, but there's a whole lot of nonsense that's happening in this nation. Okay, this, this may be my last time I'm preaching here, but that's okay. Um, I'm, let me tell you, I'm going to open up with, a, with an experience that I had. Now, <clears throat> I was in uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, and uh, doing, came, was invited to not only teach in a Bible college, preach in the church, but also to speak at their, their um, awakening conference, they called it, an awakening conference. And um, um, Benny Hinn was there. He was invited to be there. And I had previously met, Sue and myself had previously met Benny Hinn a few years earlier kind of thing. He was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, we got invited back to the room where after the service kind of thing. And we ended up sitting on the couch with Benny Hinn, uh, Sue, <clears throat> Benny Hinn, Sue and myself, and talking just about the things of the Holy Spirit for about 60 minutes. And then I ended up, here's what happened. The mo that morning when I was, uh, I was actually working out, I heard the Holy Spirit say, when you meet Benny Hinn tonight, I want you to prophesy this to him. And I said to myself as I looked into the mirror, man, you really do think you're something, don't you? Come on now. Because you ain't meeting Benny Hinn tonight. Come on now, right? And so now I'm sitting on the couch. Come on now with Benny Hinn. And now we're at 45 minutes into this thing. And now the Holy Spirit reminds me, did not I tell you, son, that you're supposed to prophesy to Benny Hinn tonight? And I was like, man, now I'm literally shaking on the couch. Come on now. My body is almost out of control kind of thing. And so I asked the man of God, 
God, I asked if permission to prophesy to him. And so I did. I did. I prophesied to him. And there was about 10 other men of God that had very significant ministries and platforms all over the globe that were in that room. And, uh, and so they were all listening. And so I prophesied. This was, um, I prophesied about the restoration of his marriage. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that was a little nerve-wracking. And, uh, but from what I can tell, it all came to pass. So I'm thanking Jesus for that right there. And so, um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, right? And then I ended up in Israel on the platform with Benny Hinn ministering alongside of him, okay? So now, um, a couple years after that, I'm in Sofia, Bulgaria, and I'm at this conference, and Benny Hinn ministers on Friday night. And then a... Man by the name of, and I sure hope I, I I don't mean to offend anybody here tonight, but I just I just want to say it like it is, a man by the name of, and you have to correct me if I get his name wrong, Her, Herbert Angel. Is that how you say it? Herbert Angel. Okay, okay, he was there. Okay, he preached. He preached all day Saturday. I preached Sunday morning, then he preached Sunday night kind of thing. But I sat behind him for four days, four days sat behind him. And, uh, and so I, I watched this, this, uh, this person. I mean, I mean, this is, this is, I told you a little bit of the story about, he had like two guys on the either side of the pulp uh, platform, and they were like, prophesy, you know, kind of thing like this kind of thing. And so I was trying to talk these two guys into doing that for me tonight, just for fun, kind of thing. And uh, prophesy, man of God, you know. And, 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 <laughs> And at first, I was like, what the heck? Where's that coming from? I didn't even know these guys had mics, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, it's coming out, and I was like, what? And I thought it was God, you know, saying prophesy kind of thing. And, uh, and so, and then they would make all kinds of comments. And, uh, but, man, he would he'd be walking around, and, and he'd be looking at people, and then he would, and then he would, he would you know, he would, he would just say, he said, the Lord's telling me that this is your name. And then he would say, listen, the Lord tells me that this is your cell phone number. And then he would say, in 30 seconds, somebody by the name of Joe Blow is going to call you on that phone. And it all happened just like he said. And so he did that about, I don't know, seven times. And then he brought these people up on the platform. And he waved his hand, and they all fell on the floor. And then he preached about 15 minutes, and the meeting was over. Okay, Nothing redemptive ever happened in those meetings. Come on now. Thank you for that one amen right there. Come on now. Nothing happened redemptively. The prophetic ministry is not about shows. There was no doubt about it. When I walked away from that meeting, um, I didn't know exactly, but I began to pray. I said, man, something is off right here. I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this thing for 40 years, this prophetic thing, and I'm, I'm sitting there for 40, 40, four days watching this man, paying attention to him kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, what, I, what I picked up in the realm of the Spirit, not, I, I'm not saying the man doesn't have a genuine gift and, from God, but that that man had tapped into a boatload of familiar spirits. Come on now. And he was literally leveraging the spirit of witchcraft in that service as he was ministering to these people. And there have been, I've, and I've seen video after video after video of different prophets in this nation doing the same thing for the purpose. And he, he spent hours during those four days bragging about all the wealth, come on now, that came to him because of his prophetic words that he spoke over people. He's a multi, 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 multi-millionaire 
kind of thing. And uh, so when I say we're going to talk about the supernatural, I'm not talking about that nonsense right there. I'm talking about the real deal right there. The real supernatural that can be, because it's real. Yes, amen. And so I want to just, uh, let me just read a few verses here that I'm going to use tonight and um, as an illustration to how this thing works. And it comes out of Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but it says it like this. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Muonites came against Jehoshaphat to go to battle. It was a great multitude that came against the people of God. Then Jehoshaphat, he set himself determinately to, as a vital need to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast in all of Judah. And Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, even out of the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord, yearning for him with all of their desire. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, our God and our fathers, are you not the God of heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of these nations? In your hand are power and might, so that no one is able to stand up against you. Did not you, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They dwelt in it. They've built you a sanctuary and put your name on it. They said when evil comes, when the sword comes, when pestilence comes, when famines comes, we will stand in this house that your name is on and literally where your presence is and we will cry out to you in the midst of that which is coming against us and you will hear us and you will save us. And now behold, the men of the Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out from the land of Egypt, and whom they turned from and did not destroy. Behold, look now, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possessions, which you have given to us as our inheritance." Oh, our God, will you not exercise judgment upon them? For we have no might to stand up against these great company of people that are coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Mm. Come on now, here's an impossible situation. And we're going to see in the story that there's going to be a supernatural intervention power, the miraculous taking place at a whole nother level that they've never seen before when the story gets over here. But I want to just say right here at the beginning, I want to say three things that, that are very foundational, but I just want to say that I'm hoping the Holy Spirit could just help me tonight to say it in such a way that will awaken something in a fresh new way for you. Number one, as I said earlier, you have got to know that the, the spirit world is a real deal. It's a real thing. It's not made up. This is a real thing. The spirit world and the natural world, they, they're, they, they're on two different planes. They're in two different realms, but they run side by side. And they are as real, that spirit world, 
In fact, the book of Hebrews says that it's the spirit world empowered by the word of God that brought this natural world into existence. And so in a very real way, the spirit world is more real than this natural world, more powerful than this natural world. And so number one, you've got to understand, you've got to know that the, the spirit world, the spirit world is a real thing. Now, you know, most believers, I shouldn't say that, a lot of believers um, understand what I'm saying there, but really most believers don't. Maybe in this nation you might be have a little bit more understanding than we do in the Western world. But I, I mean, I'm from Southern California. Well, there's a big, big church of about 20,000 people there. Not too long ago, this pastor, who has a global platform, got up and said that there is no devil in the United States of America. There's no demons. I mean, he had 20,000 people right there listening to him that day, let alone he has a global television broadcast. And so I don't know how many millions of people he ministers to a week, but he emphatically said there is no demon. There are demons in Africa, you poor people. Come on now. But we Americans, my God, apparently all the demons left when Columbus showed up. Come on now. I don't know. But apparently there's no demons. And so when you're raising a generation and, and you're ministering to millions of people and you've convinced them that there is absolutely no demons whatsoever, let alone a, 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 a spirit world, come on, kind of thing. I mean, I've met more unbelievers that have more understanding than that kind of thing. They, they might not understand it completely and totally and, you know, theologically and all of that kind of stuff kind of thing. But they'll use phrases like this. They're not totally inaccurate, but they're not totally, um, they're not totally accurate, but they're not totally wrong either. And they'll, they'll use phrases like that, man. I feel like there's a vibe in the room kind of thing. They, they'll use that word vibe, you know, kind of, man, I feel like, a, man, there's a good vibe going on in here kind of thing. Or they'll say, man, I, I, you know, I got, so, you know, just my, uh, I got a, you know, something. I got the, the mother's intuition. Yeah. Listen, a mother's Holy Ghost is nothing like a mother's intuition. Come on now. And so we'll use all kinds of, or just trust your gut. They'll, they'll say things like that. And, uh, and so we need to come to a place where we really, really, really understand that the, the spirit world is a real thing. Number two, I just want to remind you, number two, the God that you serve is a spirit being who lives and functions out of the spirit world. He is a spirit being. He is the only spirit being, come on now, that has no limits. There's, he has all access to everything. And because he lives out here in this spirit, he, he, he is not governed by the laws that govern this world. Are you, are you, just follow me tonight. Just try to pay attention. Just follow me tonight. So here, God is, hey, God has placed and set up laws to govern this world. Genesis 8.22 says, as long as the earth remains, the law of time, the law of seasons, the law of mm, sowing, the law of, of the harvest, mm, the law of mathematics, the law of physics, the laws of space, um, the law of functioning in time and out of time. All of these laws God created for this earth. He doesn't say as long as heaven exists. 
or as long as God exists, as long as the earth remains, these laws will be in motion. So he created these laws for us to give us a certain amount of predictability where we, as we function in this natural world, as a, as a natural being, uh, we need to understand these natural laws, how they work and how we can function in them and what kind of per- things that we can, we can anticipate that will take place in our life. But the God that we serve that made all of these laws, he's not governed by the laws. He is the only free, unrestricted spirit being in the universe. He is not, I just want to say this because I've heard preachers get up and say, well, that God is, you know, that he can only do this or he can only do that or he's, you know, he is limited by this or he is governed by that kind of thing. And they'll they'll say, and I'm not, again, I'm not, trying to intentionally offend anybody here tonight. But, uh, but the reality is the very essence of the word sovereign is if there's anything that he created in all of the universes that, is, that limits him by the very definition of that, that thing is God over him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you following me tonight right there? So God, there is nothing, there is nothing that he has created. There is nothing in the universes that limits God. He's not controlled by anything. He is God all by himself right here. He is unrestricted. Come on now, are you following me? Unrestricted right there. And he don't play by the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He don't play. He does not play by the rules. The laws and the rules are not for him. They're for you. Come on now. And the rules and the laws are for you to understand and to use to your benefit. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah. Uh, I'm not getting any kind of amens from anybody in the back there. Are you all following me? Come on now. Okay, yeah. Listen, this is the way I roll. Once we're down to no amens, Dr. Gustav, I'm done, okay? And so if you, uh, if you step in, we're down to about three amens, so I'm almost done here. I can feel it. <clears throat> so if you want me to finish the message, I need you three. Come on now. To prophesy. Come on. Prophesy. Come on now. And uh, <clears throat> you guys are awesome. God, God's not, listen, God's not limited. He's not governed. He's not controlled by any of these laws right here. Lucifer is a created being. Therefore, he is controlled and under the laws and under the rules right there. And so it's your responsibility as a son and daughter of God to understand how these laws work right there. And you're the only created being from God that literally has the ability to stand in both realms at the same time. Come on now. And so if you can stand in both the spirit world and the natural at the same exact time, you can do something that he cannot do. Come on now. And therefore, you can leverage the laws and the rules of the kingdom, the government of the kingdom, and you can literally control him every single day in your life. Mm, But God, he's not a, because you know what? If you need God to do a miracle, that means you're going to need him to break the laws. Come on now. Miracles are law breaking. And so, so God, when you need God, come on now, to turn water into wine, 
Come on, he's got to break the laws of physics right there. Come on now. If you're going to turn uh, fishes and loaves into multiply, you're going to have to break the law of mathematics right there. Come on now. It, it, sometimes I just need him to come walking on the water into my life and into my storm. I need God to break the laws if I'm going to see the supernatural take place in my life. So we are in the church that we have we have we have downsized God. We have limited God to some kind of mythological being. Come on now, like he is like Thor. Come on now, and he is uh, uh, one of these other guys, or he's a he is a DC comic kind of character. I just want to declare because I am grown weary of Christians that don't understand how powerful the God is. Your God is not a Superman. He is. Not a Spider Man. He is not a Batman. And he's not a man that ever can lie. Come on now. He is the only unrestricted spirit being in the in the universe. And he can do what he wants, where he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and he don't have to ask anybody for permission. That's the God that we serve. He's a spirit God that lives. In the spirit world. Come on now. Woo! Prophesy right there. That's right, Holy Ghost sniper. Come on. Right there. Come on now. Take the devil out with, a, with one sniper prophetic word right there. Come on now. Number three is most people understand. I don't have to labor about the, the spirit world and everything. Man, we're, we're going crazy right now. We believe, come on, uh, we believe in aliens now. Come on, UFOs, we're doing, man, we got, come on, we, we got zombies going. We got everything. This, this uh, yeah, yeah, we got it all going. So we don't, I know, I'm there in California, they, they, uh, they believe it all kind of thing. And so, and so I don't need to really labor that point here tonight. There is a, the spirit world is real, and people believe that, and a lot of Christians understand that, and they believe that they're God. They understand that their God is a spirit. But here's the, here's the thing that most, they say it, they say it, and they'll talk about it, and, uh, but they really don't live it out, and I'm just going to say it out loud, is number three is you are a spirit being. I know you've been hearing that for years and years, but I'm telling you, I want you to, I want you to hear my heart here tonight. You are a spirit being. Come on now. You are created, come on now, in the exact image and likeness of God, your Father. One of the laws that run the kingdom, come on now, and one of the laws is that in everything produces after its own kind including God. Come on now. So everything, Peter says that we came into the kingdom literally born by the very sperm of God himself. Come on. And so we literally are the children, the sons, and the daughters of the living God here on this planet right now. And as sons and daughters of God, and I just love to point this out because this really, really ignites something on the inside of me. You are so powerful as a son and a daughter of God. Jesus is not the only son of God. Yeah. 
Yeah, and don't, don't anybody just go out and tweet that by itself because it, you're taking it out of context. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, but he is certainly not the only Son of God. Jesus is my God. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is King. He's my healer, but he's also my elder brother. Come on now. That's right. And I, I stand next to him as a son of the living God, as a daughter of the living God, and I carry the same kind of power, the same kind of authority, because Jesus came as the second and the last Adam to restore us back to what the first Adam had in the Garden of Eden to walk in the presence and the glory of God to hear his voice and then take all power, dominion, and authority and literally take dominion and extend the city of Eden throughout the whole earth. That was the original intention of God the Father. And I want to just tell you nothing's changed. Yeah, I don't know why we're all trying to get off the planet so fast. Let me just say this, and uh, just to offend a few more people. Um, if God wanted you to live in heaven, don't you think he would have created you in heaven? Hello? Nobody ever thinks, nobody abuses their mind when they're studying the scriptures kind of thing. And last time I looked, when Jesus does return, he's bringing everybody with him. Hello, come on now. And we're going to be ruling and reigning on this planet. He created us, this planet for us, and he created us on this planet because it is his will and his intention for us to live on this planet, not in heaven. So I don't know why you're all trying to escape this place that God created for you. In fact, all you're doing is delaying the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sooner you will rise up and realize what you have and what you're supposed to be doing on this planet here. Man, whew. That's why Psalm 8, man, when you read Psalm 8 and the psalmist begins to talk about all of creation and the, the majesty of God and the majesty of, of creation, how it's so mind-blowing and how they really can't figure it all. And then he comes to talking about man, the son of Adam kind of thing, and how is it mindful. And the King James Version reads it like this, that you created man just a little bit lower than the angels. But the Hebrew word is Elohim. And there is no way in H-E double hockey sticks that you can translate Elohim angels. Not even close. As I, I'm a big church history kind of guy kind of thing and natural history. I went and looked in church history and I found this out. <laughs> that the, the Roman Catholic monks that were commissioned by the homosexual King James, that's right, it's all in history, <clears throat> to translate the Bible into English, when they came to that passage of Scripture, church history re records that they saw the word Elohim, but these monks could not wrap their mind around that, so history records they purposely and intentionally mistranslated the Scriptures. That's why you got to study the Bible. You can't just read the Bible. You got to study the Bible. You got to be diligent about this kind of thing. And so that scripture reads like this it says, How is it that you have created man just a little bit lower than God Himself, than Elohim Himself? Come on now. That's why I don't worship angels. Hello, I don't worship angels. I, don't, I can't worship angels. I can't worship creation. I can't worship animals. I can't worship the mountains. Why? Because all of it's under my feet. 
The only thing that's above me is God himself, is Elohim. That's why I can only and only worship him because he's the only thing, the only unrestricted spirit being that's above me. And when you begin to understand, man, what God's intention was in creating us, man, your life will begin. You are a spirit being that was dropped into a human body. Come on now. Now, some of us, like myself, we get to, we get to you know, roll around and cruise, you know, like in Rolls Royces, you know what I'm saying, kind of thing. Other people get to roll around in Toyota Corollas, kind of thing, you know what I'm saying. But that's okay. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. But we have all different kind of vehicles. That's what this body is. It's nothing more than a vehicle. It's a car that transports me in the natural realm, allows me to connect and to relate to what's happening and to work the laws that God put into motion as it relates to running this natural world. But at the same time, I am a spirit being that supersedes me being a natural human being and I can operate in the realm of the spirit just like my daddy operates in the realm of the spirit every single time and I can access I can by faith I can access intentionally and provoke and invoke the spirit world and see desired results come to my life when I need them to come I'm not sitting around waiting for anything to happen. I am doing it, and I am making it happen with the help of the Holy Spirit right there. This stuff is real. I've been working this stuff for decades. This is the real, this is a real thing right here. You are created in the exact image and likeness of God. How do we do that? We do that by invoking, understanding who we are. Let me just read this scripture um, out of the Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read it. It says here now, Roman, this, this powerful passage of scripture. It says in verse 14, the mature children of God are those that are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. Man, that's beautiful. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he, the Holy Spirit, rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of of tender infection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into the innermost being, You are God's child whom he loves so very much. And since we are true sons and daughters of God, now. 1 John 3, 1 says, now we are the sons of God. Not when we get to heaven, now we are the sons of God. And since we are the true children, sons and daughters of God, we qualify to share all his treasures. Mm Mm-hmm. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. We are heirs of God himself. We are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also, we also, we also get to inherit all that he is and all that he has. That's a double inheritance right there. Come on now. 
Are you getting it? And we, we always talk about, well, I, you know, I'm in Christ and therefore I'm a, but they don't understand what a joint heir means. Not only did Christ inherit all everything, but you have an inheritance. Come on now. Come on. You have an inheritance. As an heir of God, as a son and a daughter of God, you have literally received as an heir of God, as an heir of God, as a son of God, standing next to the only begotten son of God. He received an inheritance and you received an inheritance. Now, so not only do you have your own personal inheritance, now you get to stand in Christ and literally inherit everything that he is and everything that he has. Oh, my God. Come on now. Somebody ought to just shout for that right there. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man. Thank you, Lord God. Everything. <clears throat> I am convinced that anything that we have to go through or endure is less than nothing. Everything you got to endure, it's not nothing. It's less than nothing. It doesn't even qualify to be anything. It's less than nothing. When it's compared to the magnitude of God's glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, for against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, but now, not when we get to heaven, but now with eager expectation all of creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to the ch God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if, as if it, <clears throat> it were in contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Holy Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed into our glorified bodies. My God. Man, you, you ought to be shouting right there. I don't know if you're waiting for me to throw water on you or what the deal is. But my God, somebody, this is the shouting part right here. Man, all of creation, all of creation, all of creation, all of creation. It was taken hostage against its will. It didn't go willingly. It was literally taken like a hostage in warfare, all of creation right there. And God had created creation to literally to be submissive and to be under the domain, come on now, of the spirit world. But when man fell, everything was flipped upside down. And now creation is no longer in, under the dominion of the spirit world. That's why Jesus, the second Adam and the last Adam, came to model for us what it's going to be like after the cross. 
cross. Come on, somebody. Because he said he would speak to creation like it was a living entity because it is a living entity that can hear the voice of God, can hear the voice of the sons of God, can hear the voice of the daughters of God. And when you speak to creation, it responds to the voice that's within your voice. This scripture tells me there's a symbiotic relationship between the spirit world and the natural world. That they, they, they run together and they run together, they run side by side. And there are moments in times where they crisscross. And, uh, and during these moments, uh, there are laws that work in the natural and in the spirit world at the same time. And when you understand how to function in these things, you can literally cause the supernatural to, to manifest, okay? Mm, so, and so uh, there are times, I, I just said this the other day to somebody, and I said, listen now, because, they, you know, we're sometimes what we want, we want so much to see the supernatural happen in our life kind of thing. But uh, Jesus, you know, he, he, he did not... Mm, activate the supernatural 24-7 in his life. Hello, come on now. You remember when he fed the 5,000 supernatural miracle, went to the top of the mountain, he's praying, sends the guys in the boat, they're going across, storm hits, they're halfway there. He perceives supernaturally that they're in trouble. It's pitch dark, it's thundering, it's lightning, hurricane winds. You can't see three and a half miles out there into a lake when it's pitch dark with a natural eye. So he's, nat he's supernaturally perceiving they're in trouble. So he comes down off the mountain, come on now, and he walks to the shore and the Bible says all the boats were gone. So he went as far as he could in the natural. And then when there was nothing else to do in the natural, then he accessed the supernatural and began to walk on the water. The reason, one of the reasons so many believers don't see the supernatural is because you haven't done everything you could do in the natural yet. Because you think this thing is magic. Come on now. You think this thing is hocus pocus and we can wave our hand or you come up here and some man of God or a woman of God or a prophet of God just waves their hand over you kind of thing and boom. Woo! Oh my God. That's not how it works. Come on now. You got to use, you got to walk this thing out. You got to do it by faith. Come on now. Come on now. If you forgive somebody in the natural then God will forgive you over here in the spirit world. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're tied together. Come on now. Uh, don't even begin to think that you can make fun of God or mock God. Come on now. He said whatever, whatever you do, it's coming back to you, baby, on every wave. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. It's coming back right there. Man, whatever you sow, that's what you're reaping. You can't break that law right there. That's right there. When you sow in the natural, you reap in the spirit. So if you want friends, you got to be friendly. Come on, if you want people to love you, you got to be loving. You sow nasty, you're getting nasty. That's all there is to it. I don't understand. I don't see why the devil's so mean to me. Why those girls? Because you're mean. That's right. Man, yeah, exactly. This isn't like, this isn't deep here. I mean, it's, it's, people like in, in countries like this, in the Western world, especially, they do not get this kind of stuff. They do not get that kind of thing. They don't. In worlds, uh, in other nations that are more open to this kind of stuff, the supernatural and stuff like that, they understand, man, if you do somebody wrong, 
you might want to look at yourself. Come on, you do something wrong and stuff is happening and you want to ignore what you did. And the Bible, because the Bible is very clear, you treat poor people wrong, boom, stuff's coming your way right there. There's no doubt about it right there. And so they understand, man, if there is evil coming your way, you might want to look at yourself and see who you have done wrong and go make it right. In America, we preach go to the doctor and get a pill. Because demons left when Columbus came. Come on now. Just because you don't believe in demons doesn't mean you don't have one. I've cast more demons out of people in church than I did outside the church. Come on now. Well, I don't believe in generational curses. Oh, yeah? Why don't you come up here and I'll, I'll, we'll take, give you about a three-minute test and I'll, I'll prove to you that you got a generational curse all over you. That's a whole other message. I'm going there, right there. <clears throat> but we don't believe in that. So in America, we take pills. Come on now. All, that, all those pills do is mm, frustrate the demon inside them. Because now they're, 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 they're like sleeping and they're like, they're nodding out. The demon's trying to get them to run around kind of thing. Come on and do some stuff for them. And now, but they're just sleeping and they're like half awake kind of thing. So now they got a frustrated demon on the inside of them. Because they, you can't cast a demon out with a pill. But that's what we believe in the American church right there. <laughs> Crazy Christians. <clears throat> Nuts. And uh, we don't get this thing at all. Uh, so here's the thing. <laughs> My Bible says, I just read it to you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You've inherited something. You've inherited everything that Jesus has, everything that he is right there. Come on now. And so if you need a miracle, if you need some God to put some super up and on your natural things, you're going to have to do something and invoke the spirit world by using real faith. Come on now. To do that, to do that. That's how it happens. That's how it happens right there. You have it. You got to know that you have it right there. You got to know that you have it right there. All of creation, all of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to rise up now. Now, not when we get into eternity, but right now and begin to exercise. That's who Jesus, as a son of God, he came to model. He said, this is how you're supposed to be doing it. Take dominion over everything that's in creation. Creation is longing. They were taken hostage. They want to be free. Free, and they're in the midst of, of, of contractions, contractions. I just found out, uh, Pastor Miley, about a month ago, the purpose of contractions. And you would have thought I would have known that earlier, right? Because I have two daughters, right? But I, did, I didn't have a clue. Come on now. Contractions are all about preparing the birth canal to give birth to something. And so if you do not go through contractions, you cannot give birth to anything in your life. And it says all of creation is in the midst. They're groaning. They're in the midst of, of all these deep yearning contractions because they're about to give birth to something. Come on now. The earth is not dying. The earth is not in death pains. The earth is in birth pains. Come on now. The earth is not coming to an end. The earth is about to give birth. Come on now. And the heavens are going to open. Nations are going to fall into the kingdom of God in one day. And the, and, and the creation is going to give birth 
to a brand new species of being on the planet. This is where we're living right now in real time. But you got to stand up. You got to realize what you got. You got this inheritance. Well, I, I don't know if I deserve it. Who said anything about you deserving it? You don't deserve it. Outside of Christ, you don't deserve a blessed thing that he wants that he can do for you. But inside of Christ, you deserve everything. But so many believers live outside of Christ. They're still living from a perspective of the first Adam right there. And they don't understand that they're living inside the second Adam right there. And they don't understand that because of what he did. Listen, the very nature of an inheritance is it means somebody else worked for it. You don't work for anything. When you inherit something, it was your grandfather who worked for it. And he's out of the goodness of his heart, he's going to give you everything that he worked for it. How many ever showed up at court or showed up in a, at a lawyer's office and said, listen, you just inherited, come on now, three houses, six cars, and $14 million in the bank. Then he leans over his desk and says, I don't know if you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. You tell, that, you tell that lawyer to go back to hell from where he came from, and you tell him, listen, I don't care if you think I deserve it or not. It's my inheritance. Somebody else worked for it, and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to operate in it, no matter what you think about me. Come on now. You're too busy judging me. Come on now, from a snapshot, come on now, from a, from a movie of my life right there. Uh, and you're just taking a little snap and you're judging me, man. You don't, well, you don't look like a son of God. Yeah, well, it does not yet appear. Come on now. But it will. We got it right there. And you might not be able to see. As I said Sunday night, God lives outside of time. Always need to remind that he's not governed by time. He lives outside of time. You live in time. He lives in the past, present, and the future all at the same time. And so, listen, he sees you looking just like Jesus up here because that's what you're destined to do. So he relates to you and he talks to you and he thinks about you and looking just like Jesus in the future so that when you blow it back there, he's not getting nervous in the servers or upset or mad. He may be disappointed, but he's not angry at you. How can he be angry when he's looking at you up here in the future looking just like Jesus? Come on now. But yeah, we let the devil just leverage shame and all kinds of condemnation all over us. And yet, we don't really understand. Listen, the reason I read that passage of Scripture, because it so illustrates how we are supposed to function. If you want the supernatural to happen in your life. Jesus said, the epistles teach, my goodness, you're a son you're a daughter of God. You are literally have everything that Christ has. You have everything that he is. It's all yours right now, this very moment. I gave you all the covenant. I gave you the promises. Come on now. This is right here. This is the new covenant right here. This is the document that says you have inherited everything. And it tells you everything that you've inherited right there. And when you get enough revelatory understanding, you need to go, come on now, to the last will that speaks about what you've inherited. And you need to look up and say, listen, right here on page 40, Line number six, it says that this belongs to me. Now, devil, send it on over. 
Yeah, you were sitting around waiting for the drop out of heaven. Come on now. The Bible says that this promise belongs not only to you, but to your children and to your grandchildren. Let my children, let my grandchildren go now in the name of Jesus. Right over here on this page, it says that I did not inherit a spirit of fear, but I inherited a spirit of power and love and a sound, peaceful mind. Fear, go now in the name of Jesus. Fear is not my portion. Discouragement, depression, suicide, bad thing. It's not who I am, and it does not belong to me. Get away from me in the name of Jesus. Woo! How can you do that? Because it's my nature. Uh, my nature is vict victory. My nature, come on now, is to win every single time. My Bible still says that I can hold up the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the devil. Come on now. <sighs> I said that one time in a service, a young man came up to me, and he said, well, that, that's not how it works in reality. And I said, yes, it does. He said, I just said, listen, young man, this is not the NBA or the NFL. Come on now, where we win a few and lose a few. This is the kingdom of the living God. And if the commander-in-chief says you can win every single time, bless God, that's what I'm going for right there. He also said that you can have a hundredfold return. You know how you read those verses about, you know, Jesus sowing the seed. Come on, he's the seed sower. His word's the seed and everything. And he said 75%, three out of the four people. Thank you, sir. And uh, where was I? Uh, now, that was there where they were. <laughs> you remember where it was? Seriously. Okay. Thank you, sweetheart. You know that's your full-time job to be able to keep me on track. Come on. <clears throat> What's that? I can't hear you. Well, yeah, but I need a little bit more than that. Come on now. What? They what? Yeah, thank you. Right there. There we go. That's it. We win every single time. Come on, somebody. There we go. Now we're back on track. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you, ladies, right there uh, for helping me. We win every single time. This is where we are. So, man, when you, man, you can sit around and just wait for things to drop out of the heavens. Come on now. You've been waiting a whole long time. But then you can take, man, God says, listen, I, I gave you my word. I gave you my name. Come on now. I gave you, come on now. I gave you the power of my blood, the power of my Holy Spirit, the power of my presence. Come on, I gave you a blank check. Come on now. It's up to you to write down what you desire and what you need as it relates to doing the will of God for your life and then stand there and do what the Israelites did. God, did you not say that you were the almighty powerful God? Did you not say that you gave us this land. Did you not say that you're the God of the universe? Well, if you really are, then let's get with it. 
That's how they're talking there. We read it like mamby-pamby. They are talking with power. They were covenant people that understood that they were serving a covenant God who never, ever, ever breaks his word and always, always keeps the covenant. Now you said that this is who you are and you said this is what you can do and you said this belongs to us. It's our inheritance. And by the way, don't mean to imply this, but the reason we're going through this is because you didn't let us kill those people when we were coming out of Egypt. So this whole deal really is all your fault anyway. I want you to see, I, I'm not, I am not exaggerating. This is how they're talking and prophesying and prophetically decreeing. They're taking the covenant and they are decreeing it back to God, understanding that this is their inheritance. Did you not say that you this land was given to your friend Abraham? Did you not say that this is our inheritance? Then why in the world aren't you doing anything? Now get up and do something now. And God responded. As soon as they took a stand in the covenant just like that, then it says, boom. Somebody who was the son of 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 somebody. They're trying to say they didn't even have a clue who this guy was really. Come on now. And he gets up and begins to prophesy. You don't need to fight in this battle. Yeah, you're right. This baby belongs to me. Come on now. That's right. This battle, you don't, you guys, you got what you said. That's right. That's who I am. I am the God, and I'm all that in a bag of chips too. Come on, somebody. And I'm about to show off for you. Come on now. This is who I am. This is who I said I was. This is who I said I'd do. I said it to you. Thank you for invoking the power of the covenant. Come on now. And not sitting around begging me like a bunch of poppers, come on now, and a bunch of slaves, but understanding that you are the sons of the living God. Created just a little bit lower than God himself. We know who we are, and we know why you created us. Now, we need your help. You said you would help us. You said this is our inheritance. Now, we need you to step up and do what you said you would do. And so the word of the Lord comes and says, this battle belongs to me. You don't need to fight. Stand still. And you're going to see me give it all to you. All I need you to do. So now the king gets up, tells the people the word of the Lord kind of thing. And he says, you believe the word of God. Come on now. You will be established. Come on now. You believe the word of the prophets that have been speaking over your lives. Come on. A lot of you have had prophets. Come on. Prophetic words over your life. When in the world are you going to actually believe them? Come on now. When you actually believe the word of the Lord. You can receive an absolute genuine prophetic word from God and never experience it. Come on. I am sick and tired of believers throwing God under the bus the prophet under the bus, the pastor's under the bus kind of thing because it's your responsibility. Timothy, the prophecies that I prophesied over you, young man, my spiritual son, he said these prophecies, come on now, you are in the process of seeing them manifest, but he says very clearly, Timothy, it's your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. It's not God's responsibility to see these things come to pass in your life. It is your responsibility, Timothy. Now you take those prophetic words as you're walking in the process of working them out and seeing them fulfilled, and you use them like a spiritual weapon 
in faith until they begin to manifest in your life. And don't ever talk to me again about them not happening in your life. Next time I want to talk to you is when you're telling me that it's happening. But where we, where that's where we are. We got a generation of believers sitting around thinking that this is magic. Just because you get a prophetic word from God, you think it's going to automatically happen. Come on now. Well, it must not have been a real word from the Lord because it didn't happen. No, it's because you were sitting on your rusty dusty doing nothing, acting, come on now, no, using no faith whatsoever. And you wonder why it don't happen. <sighs> you got to get them, man. You need, something needs to get up. That, the lion of the tribe of Judah needs to rise up out of you. Come on now. And say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm, that, that will, that will says that I inherited all this. That will says that the healing is the children's bread. Why are you trying to get God to heal you when he already did it? Well, I'm just, I'm just praying that the Lord will heal me. Listen, honey, he's, he's not going to die on the cross again. He's not going to take the stripes again. He already done healed you. If he didn't want you to be healed, he shouldn't have healed you. Come on, if he didn't want to save you, he shouldn't have saved you. If he didn't want you to prosper, he shouldn't have prospered you. It's all in the will. Jesus is the only one who died to give you the will and then was raised from the dead to make sure you got the will. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, to enforce the will right there. <sighs> We're sitting around just waiting for something to hit us in the head. We're getting, oh, I just need four more confirmations, Pastor. I know there's four. How many prophetic, you collecting f prophetic words like stamps? Come on now. Got a little prophetic book. Come on, yeah. I thought they got like they got a journal. Come on, they got the book. They got you look at their phone. They got forty-seven prophetic saved voice messages, voicemails right there because they're they're like they go walking around. I mean, I've had them right there, man. Then I see them like they literally walk around their phone, man, and, and they're going down the line collecting them. Boom, boom. Come on, look. oh, thank you, Jesus. Boom. Next person that's praying. Boom, boom. They collect like ten prophetic words in one service, and yet. <laughs> I'm like, when is it, when are you going to actually do something? When are you actually going to see something happen in your life right there? You got to do it by faith right there. Uh, it takes living faith, man. It is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11:6, without the actual Hebrew word says, the actual Greek word says, living faith. When Jesus said, Listen now, and the, when the disciples, he told them, listen, if, you, if, you, if, you, if somebody offends you, because offenses are coming, get, just get ready. They're, it's impossible to go through life without being offended. It's coming your way. And he says, I want you to forgive them every single time, up to 70 times 7. That's 490 times a day, doing the same thing. I don't know how many people have had said to me, said, well, I'll forgive them, Pastor, when I see the fruit of repentance. Yeah, well, you're going to be waiting a whole long time. Come on now. Because if they're doing 490 times the same exact thing to you in one day, that's like, like every 15 minutes they're offending you with the same thing kind of thing. And Jesus says, go ahead and forgive them every single time. When it's like, oh, the apostles, increase our faith. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's crazy stuff right there. We need greater faith. Now, Jesus says, you don't need me to increase your faith. You just need faith that's living like a seed. 
One translation say we use, you know, faith like a mustard seed. But the actual Aramaic translation is you need faith that is living like a seed. It's not okay to have just small faith. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying it's okay. You can move mountains with small faith. No, he's saying that you can, if you want to move a mountain that's in your life and a mountain is something that is screaming at you, it's a cycle in your life. It's saying I'm permanent in your life. I'm never leaving your life. You're going to deal with me the rest of your life in your soul, whatever it may be. That's a mountain. And Jesus said if you want to speak to that mountain, you're going to have faith that's living like a seed lives. Because seeds are powerful. Seeds can come up through concrete. Seeds are literally created by God with the self-fulfilling power and a self-fulfilling blueprint on the inside of us. If an oak tree, before it becomes an oak tree, it's a little baby seed. But when that seed is dropped into the ground, it already has the power and the blueprint, come on now, to become and to fulfill what it was created to do. God doesn't have to do another thing. Just get it into the soil. And as long as that seed keeps on living, God has to do nothing. So that's what Jesus is saying. He said, if you got a mountain, come on, that you're tired of, you want to, come on, get it out of your life. You got a fig tree that you're sick and tired of eating from, man. Just curse it and tell it to die right there. Come on now. But you're going to need some faith that's living like a seed that is developing and growing and maturing and getting stronger and bigger and bigger. As you walk with the Lord, that's the kind of faith mm, that's genuine and being used. That kind of faith literally provokes and invokes the spirit world right there. Right there. So um, it says if you want to bring pleasure to God, you got to have that kind of faith. Anything less. That faith begins with believing that God exists. But it doesn't stop there. James 2.19 says, <clears throat> it, it's really nice that you believe that God exists. That's wonderful. But big deal. Even demons believe that God exists. And yet their faith in God that he exists does not change them, does not transform them. They still remain demons. So I call believing that God exists Demon level faith. <laughs> you're gonna need some. You're gonna need some. You need to graduate, my friend. If you want to see some mountains moved in your life, you want to see the supernatural activated. You want to see some signs and wonders. You're gonna to have to mm, get your faith above the faith of a demon. Come on now, and you're gonna to have to get that faith living, alive on the inside of you, and let it grow and develop. Come on now, as you. How do you you? How does it grow? By using it. Come on now. By using it. By using what you have gives you more. 
There's another law right there. Come on now. And so even with faith, when you give your faith away, it begins to grow. When you have revelatory understanding, greater faith begins to take place. Come on, you can't give what you don't have. Come on now. When Peter and John came to the gate, beautiful, they didn't pray. Do you want this guy to be healed? Do you want this lame man to get up? Is it your will or not? They didn't pray stupid prayers like that they said no, they didn't even pray they what they did was they grabbed a hold of the man and jerked him to his feet and they said that which we have we give it to you right there we we already we already heard the master tell us we got it all all power all authority i have it i give it all to you now go and do everything i did raise the dead make it your habitual habit to cast out demons every place that you come in contact with them and heal every sick person that you come in contact with that's that's what we're called to do so i came here tonight to listen just to a decree to you come on now if you want to do that god is so god is looking god is looking god is looking for this right there jacob went after the birthright esau went after a bowl of soup. The birthright will feed you for a lifetime. The bowl of soup will feed you for a day. Come on, the bowl of beans will <laughs> feed you for a day and make you stink, and nobody will want to be around you. Come on now. One went after the next. That's why the New Testament says, Esau, I hate, but Jacob, I loved. Oh, strong verse. I, I, I think what the Lord was trying to say there when I look at it, that he hates the spirit of Esau that's more after natural things than spiritual things. Come on now. Mm. I'm going to finish with this and then we'll be done. And uh, <clears throat> Elijah says to Elisha, without explaining anything without it saying that it was weird or that it was out of the normal of what happens and he doesn't have to <clears throat> do anything to explain what he's about to say he just simply says if you want the double portion you're going to have to keep your eyes on me and let nothing distract you if you see me when I'm taken up and can I just say this real quickly? It isn't about it isn't about just starting well. You got to finish well. Can I just say that? Come on now, Elijah didn't finish well. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's like running from Jezebel. God is trying to. He's like he thinks he's the only one left. God says, "You got to be kidding me, man! I got I got thousands left. You think I'm that small?" that I only could sustain one prophet? Come on now. He said, you don't have a clue who I really am. Yeah. I got so many that I've saved and saved away. And you're not the only one. And he's like, no, I'm the only one. 
he has this script going on in his head over and over and over and over and over again. And he's saying, no matter how God comes to him, no matter how he says it to Elijah, he can't break Elijah's script. I'm the only one. I don't want to go on. I've had enough. I don't even want to live. I want this thing to be over kind of thing. And, uh, and God says, I need you to anoint the king over the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and then over Elisha. And he says, I'll do Elisha, but the other things, 75% of what God asked him to do right there, two out of the three, he refused to obey God and do it. And God says, listen, if you're not going to do what I created you to do, then you don't need to be here. The chariots of fire didn't come as a reward to Elijah. It came because of his disobedience. Elijah did not finish well. Moses did not finish well. Started out great, but did not finish well. Speak to that rock, Moses. Moses says, where's my rod? He had more faith in his rod than his God. That rod represented, watch now, watch. That rod represented his giftings, the callings, the anointings upon his life. And Elijah, he is living in fear, in disobedience, and he's calling fire down and killing 50 soldiers at a time. God has to send an angel to stop him from using the call, the gift, the power, and the anointing of God to kill innocent people. Just because somebody is operating in power, supernatural power, doesn't mean they're right with God. Moses wasn't right with God. Elijah wasn't right with God. Mm, Get me the rod. And he struck the rod. And the miracle happened in disobedience. Because <sighs> God's never, the giftings and the callings are without repentance. He never takes them away. You can still function in them. People are doing it left and right all the time. And comes to Moses and says, listen, because of your unbelief, not your disobedience, your unbelief, you will not enter into the promised land. Your disobedience is always a manifestation of your unbelief. Your unbelief will always manifest as disobedience. The highest level of faith there is in the kingdom is obedience. Right there. Right there, right there, right there. Come on now. If you keep your eyes on me, Elisha, you'll have the desire of your heart. He's there. He could have easily, when the chariots, the spectacular came, he could have been caught away. Oh my God, look at that, look at that, look at that. And boom, Elijah's gone. We get so caught up. Not everything, not every miracle is miraculous, is spectacular. You got to keep your eyes. And folks, that whole story really isn't about Elijah and Elisha. It's about you and me. Because when our heavenly prophet of God ascended into the heavens, he dropped a mantle. And he said, if you can pick that mantle up called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and wrap yourself in that mantle, You'll live in the supernatural and live under an open heaven every single day of your life. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Give some glory. Give some honor to him.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that uh, that's my hope that I, I somewhat somehow said it in a little bit, maybe a little bit different way here tonight to awaken in a fresh way that you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, and nothing is impossible to you. Come on now. And uh, you can fulfill everything that God has called you to do in your life. So we thank you, Father, for that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you're here tonight and you need praise, you like, you you said, like, I need a miracle tonight. I need the supernatural to be activated in my life. I need God to do something that I cannot do myself. Come on. you, You believe the word. Come on now. You take a step of faith, and then you begin to praise God like they did. They just begin to say, the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Didn't look like God was good. Didn't look like his mercy was enduring forever. But they prophetically praised God, calling those things that be not as if they were. Not looking at the circumstances, but looking at Jesus. And as they did that, God supernaturally, they invoked the spirit world and the supernatural manifested on their behalf and they walked into an incredible life-changing blessing for the glory of God. So I just want to invite you, come on up. If you need a miracle, I believe God's going to do some miracles here tonight. We've already seen God do miracles in the in last night and the uh, um, in the in those morning services, we've seen God do some miracles Sunday night, and I'm here to decree and declare tonight. If you, and I, I'm going to need, I don't want to pray for everybody here tonight. I don't want you, you ministers that are here tonight, you pastors, prophets, apostles, all of you that are here in the fivefold, please come up here and stand right here, right here, and let's begin to pray. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Come on, just take a step of faith. Take, come on, everybody, every one of you, every one of the. You're telling me there's two people that the rest of you are all good, huh? You don't need a miracle. You don't need the supernatural power of God in your life. Come on, line them up. Line them up in the name of Jesus here tonight. We thank you, Lord God, Father. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on up. Thank you, Lord God. I'm not going to beg you. Come on now. In the name of Jesus, there are some of you here tonight, and you're not right with God. You need to get up here. You're not right with God. You need to be up here in the name of Jesus. I'm calling you right there. Some of you need to, you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to get up here in the name of Jesus. Some of you need a supernatural financial miracle tonight. You need to get up here. Some of you have some children, some prodigal sons and daughters that need to come back to the Lord. You need to get up here and stand in for them here now and come into agreement now. It doesn't happen by accident. Come on, you need to get up here. Come on, let's get up here. Let's invoke the covenant. Come on, let's invoke. Come on, you serve a miracle working God. Come on, he's not controlled by anything. He is all powerful and he can move. Come on now, let's use your faith. If you need God to come walking on the water, come on to you into your storm. Come on, this is the moment right here. You need to get up here and let us come into agreement. Let us invoke and provoke the spirit world by faith tonight and see the supernatural become very natural in your life for his glory and his honor.
Amen, amen, amen. While we are praying for people, um, for those that need to leave, God bless you. Don't miss um, Pastor Kenneth Harper tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. at the hotel. And come back tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, where Pastor Lee will minister the word for the year. Amen. Father God, we just come and we just bless the service. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for, for your power and your fire. And thank you, Father God, for your glory, Lord. Thank you that we will go out stronger that we came in tonight, Father. We worship you. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all.